Well, welcome back to another episode of Working Class Fishing. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Keechley. Over here, the left, right, or somewhere else on the screen is Mr. John Morris. And down below here, and I think it's down below for both of us, is the man known as The Big Kabari on Instagram. He goes by Justin C. here. Justin, thanks so much for being on the podcast. We're really excited to have you here. Another Tenkara angler. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, uh, usually we lead off and, and have everybody uh, tell us a little bit about themselves and uh, what got them interested in fishing in general and the type of fishing they do. So by all means, Justin, take it away. Sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, gosh, I've been... Um... <clears throat> I, I've been fishing my whole life. Uh, I mean, shoot, as, as a kid, we fished, uh, we, we called it like, like can fishing or hobo fishing or whatever. But I, I started as a real little kid catching little bluegill with just wrapping some line around a tin can and you just kind of chuck it in there and use it as kind of a reel. Um, started bass fishing, like in high school, uh, my dad had a boat and we, we started doing like little tournaments together and stuff. And, that kind of evolved into fly fishing, <clears throat> um, did that. And then um, I think around like, I got into Tinkara uh, in 2009. Um, so kind of a roundabout story, I apologize. But in around 2009, uh, I was like really into backpacking. And I got into like ultralight backpacking um, through a website called, uh, backpackinglight.com. And, um, I remember in 2009, the guy that runs it, um, he did a video on Tenkara and I remember watching that video and it was like, the second I watched it, it was like, everything started clicking. I'm like, Oh, this is exactly what I've been looking for. Just the simplicity of it and the lightweight, you know, easy to backpack with. And, um, bought a rod um you know pretty soon after that and it's like I, I haven't looked back since it's pretty much all I do now um I I love it I love the I love the simplicity of it and yeah other than like some ocean fishing because I do a lot of ocean fishing too uh it, it's pretty much all fixed line either Tenkara or like here are you fishing now well awesome Nate so 2009 you're I mean when when did Daniel Gallardo bring it here to the states that's what I was gonna ask 2009 that's what I thought <laughs> but, dude, you're, yeah. you're, an, you're an OG man like I was uh Tenkara USA is who I started with they're, they're, I bought my first rod from them and you know I've, I've pretty much been brand loyal to them the whole time but uh that, that that that's who that that's where my start was when with Tenkara USA and you know at the time like nobody really knew what it was and there was no information on it except for you know this this video that backpackinglight.com put out and uh yeah that was it <laughs> so you're you're fishing with tin cans you know you're doing doing the stuff every kid kind of gets out there and does and you progress to fix slime through this ultralight backpacking page which is it's funny because that's how nick found it too i mean of course yep. Yep. Se several years later but <laughs> that's so cool man because you and nick have a similar story in in that aspect 
you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and, and you know um when I was first kind of learning about it he's like man you you need to go talk to Justin and camp he's right. like he's like you should go talk to Justin and camp because they've been doing it a lot longer than I have and they know a lot more about it so um I let me back up before that just thanks for coming on you know <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate it yeah. yeah dude thanks for coming on Thank so you. I, I adoringly call you the skinny water master because <laughs> you you can pull trout out of literally some of it looks like mud puddles I swear clear mud yeah. puddles but dude so what's your kind of favorite way to go about fishing then not so much as tinkara but if you had to pick you know let's say a creek or a stream or you know a big river like what's your what's your preference or is it just is it all the same to you I, I definitely have a, a preference towards a uh, small stream. I, 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 I like the really small stuff. I, I like the little creeks that nobody else would really give a second look at. Um, they're, they're interesting to me. It's like, I, I, I don't think they get as much pressure because I think a lot of people look at the smaller stuff and they're like, ah, there's no fish in there. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think they get as much pressure. I also just think they're interesting. I like the aspect of, of reading a stream and trying to figure out like where the fish are. And not, there's nothing to me personally, there, there's nothing that beats like checking out a new stream, reading the stream um, and like catching the first fish out of that new stream. Cause it's like, oh yeah, I, I read it correctly. I did it. And it's like, you know, it's kind of like getting to the, it's, it's like beating the last boss in a video game or something you're like yeah i did it right <laughs> you know nice. so that, that that's what i like i like the small stream stuff but um it, it's honestly really progressed from that the majority like 75 percent of what i do is really small like mountain stream creeks type things but it's kind of evolved into like well what else can i catch on a fixed line and then just trying to you know, so I've done some, some, uh, especially last summer, I've done some bass fishing with a fish lot with a fixed line. And, um, I just bought a big old K Ryu rod that I want to, I want to check out and experiment in the surf and do some surf fishing on a fixed line. So it, it you know, small stream is where my heart will be I'll always, you know, that, 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 that's where my heart is, but it's kind of like, what, what else can I do? So. Yeah, that, dude. So, um, <laughs> I guess the question I have, you know, as you know, I've, I've got a 10 car rod now and all you guys were super welcoming with, you know, all my nonsense and my questions and, and my really shitty memes, but, uh, no. but, <laughs> but, but how do you, um, I don't know, let's just, let, let's paint a little picture here. Let's say it's like, I don't know, you got a 60 foot wide river, right? And paint whatever kind of lay downs and boulders let's just say your atypical trout stream right how do you how, how do you pick that apart as a 10 car angler because i have issues with that because i feel like i almost have to be in the middle of a run i mean should i be breaking it down from the bank and just working my way around or so what um, would you do it's i mean it really depends on the river, but uh, how I typically approach it. So I, 
I'm in California. Uh, I mean, even in the, you know, today it was like 45 degrees out. I went fishing earlier today and, and I, I wet wade still, even in the wintertime. So I know not every state has the luxury of wet wading in the wintertime, but, um, you know, typically I'll, I'll kind of scope it out. Um, I, I really like, I, I like rocks in the water. So when you get those rocks that kind of break up the, the current um, and they get that little, you know, the, the water kind of runs around the rock and they get that little pool, that little eddy right behind it. I love those. Those are, <clears throat> those are my favorite to fish. So I, I really try to look at those. Um, I'll look for like overhangs on the side. Um, I typically don't fish like in the middle of a river. I find that um, really the fish are kind of hanging towards the side. Uh, in my experience, they're, they're not really fishing like in the middle of the river unless they're spawning up the river or something. But um, uh, so, for instance, today uh, we fished a pretty big river, uh, bigger than I normally would. Um, and it was kind of a new river for me. So I started out on the bank, <clears throat> um, started just, you know, wor working kind of the bank um, upstream and downstream of me. And um, I kind of worked each section as like a 180 degree fan. So I'll kind of start upstream and I'll kind of work the whole section downstream and then I'll kind of move up a little bit. Um, I like to go from downstream to upstream um, just cause I feel like, you know, the fisher where they're hanging and they're fighting the current they're gonna be facing upstream. So I don't like going upstream to downstream cause I feel like I'll spook the fish that are downstream, but um, so that, that's kind of my approach is I really look for those rocks. I look for other obstructions. I wade out, you know, wade out into the water um, if I can. Because um, I get, you know, better reach when I'm in the water than not in the water because I got that fixed line. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's my, does that, an, does that, that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I no, got off base, sorry. No, no, dude, that's, that's it. That's exactly what I was, I was trying to. Uh, get that information from you man like um i'll definitely i'll apply that next time you know i people always people are always saying you know hey man work work from the bank out you know don't stand in the middle of the run don't low hole don't high hole you know all that like basic etiquette you know when you're on the river but it's so hard for me because you know i'm used to shooting like 20 foot of line out there and then just you know just right. mending just mending line <laughs> right, you right. know <laughs> yeah it, it's it's this whole new game it's like if i if i keep my rod out flat after i cast then i get a hit and it just pulls my tippet straight off my line oh because, yeah because it doesn't fight there's it can't fight the rod yeah and yeah so you definitely you definitely got the, the the rod so like with tenkara the you know like i I always use 5X tippet. That's what I've always used. It's what I always will use. I don't really change up my tippet that much. Well, ever. Um, but, you know, you got 5X tippet is like, you know, five pound test. But the rod is so flexible. It's almost like the rod acts as a multiplier for that, that tippet. So even though it's five pound test, I can catch a 10 pound fish without it snapping the, the 5X just because that, that rod is it, 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 it it's almost like an active drag system and, and it, it 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 kind of increases the 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 
the test of that tippet, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Because so, yeah. I've had that, I've, I've had that too. I know exactly what you're talking about. When you cast down, you leave the rod tip down, and something hits it, and it just boop, and it'll snap the tippet because the rod can't bend or anything. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, it's interesting, and and I kind of want to step back a little bit. So you started Tenkara basically when Tenkara came around to being even a, I guess, a commercialized fishing form probably prior to that. And I'm not too familiar with that. It wasn't. It was more of like a niche hobby type thing uh, that a few people did, and then somebody said, "Hey, let's commercialize this because there's more people getting interested." Uh, in those early days, uh, what was it like to get information on on Tenkara and and you know Kabari and all these other uh, aspects of of that fishing style? Was it pretty easy, or were there like resources out there, or was it pretty dry? It it was tough. Um, there was not a lot out there. Uh, I owe. I mean, a, a lot of the a lot of the information out there was what. Um, like Tenkari USA was putting out in the early days, they, they were really like one of the only sources for like, what do I do? Like, how do I do this? Um, and so they had some videos that, you know, like Daniel put out. Um, other people slowly started kind of jumping in. Um, you know, J Jason Sparks uh, is, is a name that rings a bell. Um, you know, TJ, who, who works for Tenkari USA now, he, he put out some videos. So different people started putting out videos and there started to become more and more, you know, like YouTube videos and stuff. But back in 2009, like Instagram wasn't a thing, you know, it's like YouTube was becoming a thing and um, there, there really wasn't much. And I remember when I got my rod, because uh, I kind of was just teaching myself how to do it. And it is different from Western fly. The casting is different. The technique's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. and so when you approach it with like a western fly mentality i was having kind of a rough go at it and there was like that that first year was rough um i remember i i, I didn't catch my first fish on tenkara for a while um and it was to the point where i was almost just gonna give up and be like man i, I don't know what i'm doing and I, I don't know how these people are catching fish and i'm not and it was like you hang in a little more and, and right around about a year of doing it, maybe not quite a year, but uh, around, around about that time is when I caught my first Tenkara fish. And then that was like, oh, and then again, the light bulb goes off and then it all kind of changed. But um, now there, there's, there's tons of information out there. Um, but at the time there, there, there was nothing. So you were just kind of, you were at the mercy of what Tenkara USA was putting out which they, they were doing a good job. You put out a lot of videos, but there just wasn't the, uh, the variety that we have now, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things I was kind of curious about because it just seems that you have, you have a fishing form, uh, from, you know, uh, the, uh, Asia basically, um, that, that had not been done for a long time and then trying to find information on it was probably even more difficult. So being right there at the forefront of it and having very limited information already to start, you kind of only had a couple, you know, folks here in, in Western culture that really had a good grasp on it. Um, when you did get going with it, uh, now the, the how big was the community at that point was it was it fairly good size uh, just did it kind of blow up out of nowhere or 
was it kind of slow to fruit into a, a major fishing form? Um, you know, it, it's funny because at the time, um, there was so on around 2009 to 2009 2010 there was um like a, like active forums for it on the Tenkara usa website and i remember there, there there was a there was a, a decent handful of people that were you know active in the forums myself included um and that was kind of it that was like the the community that i knew about uh, honestly i would say for years it felt like it felt like the community was really small. Um, and then something about, I don't know if it was COVID or what, but uh, you know, like in, in, in recent years, like pretty recently, I felt like the communities just exploded and there's a ton of them out there. We have, you know, that there, there's like, uh, you know, fly shops, like big name fly shops next to me that carry, you know, Tenkara USA branded stuff. And um it's just, it, I, I don't know if it was just COVID people just being stuck at home and wanting something to do or, or what, but it felt like it was small for so long and then I've recently just exploded. Do you think the simplicity or the um, perceived, perceived simplicity of Tinkara is what drew a lot of these newer anglers in? And, you know, maybe in, in the price point, I think, could have also i mean I'll, I'll wait but what what do you think drew them in other than uh everyone's at the house uh everyone's on social media everyone's on the internet uh the fishing licenses once they were like yeah you can go fish i mean the license sales mm -hmm. quadrupled yeah and in a year they quadrupled i mean what what do you think uh what contributed to it other than you know i don't know what, what do you what do you think got all these people into right. it man man i i you know and I've, I've talked about this with nick a lot actually and i i think it's uh a lot of it i think is just hiking because I, th I think the hiking community has exploded too and nick's talked about this that there's a lot more people um in the backpacking now and and, and camping and hiking um if, if, if anything good came out of COVID at all, I think uh, one of the things that I've, I've always thought was it, it brought like, like families closer together, I guess, and people wanting to do more things with their families rather than just like watching TV or, or being in separate bedrooms with, you know, iPhones or whatever because um, people were so cooped up and so I, I think people were looking for more stuff to do because everything was closed it's like I, I gotta get out of this house where where can we go well the nature's free you can go walk around the nature all you want and so um, I think with a lot more people doing that um, it's kind of that natural progression that got Nick into it that kind of got me into it where you kind of start with the hiking thing and you kind of go down the road of like, man, my backpack's really heavy. Like, how can I lighten this up? And as, as you kind of look at that, then all of a sudden Tenkara comes out of nowhere and you're like, hey, that's pretty cool. And it, it's one of those things, once you try it, it's just, it's so addicting. And it, that that simplicity is a, a huge draw. I mean, that, that, was, that was the switch for me was uh, 
I've, I've always been looking for things that are simple. Like my, my whole life, I try to just simplify everything where I can. Um, I don't like things to be too complicated. I've never had like really complicated fishing rigs. I've always just liked it to be nice and simple. Um, and so I, I think that's a huge draw is the simplicity. But, it, you know, I've also said Tenkara is one, just like anything else, right? It can be as simple as you want, or you can make it as complicated as you want. I mean, you, you, you can, Tenkara can be a super complicated thing. You can buy all kinds of gear and, you know, choose all kinds of flies and do, do all that, make, make it really complicated. Or like my approach, you can be really simple. Uh, you know, I only use a couple patterns I fish with. Um, I have a couple key pieces of gear, but I, I'm not like a gearhead by any means. Um, and you can make it really simple. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that I you know I, I think about is just in general with the simplicity. Number one, uh, it, that seems to be a big appeal point for for folks. But the other part of it seems to also be, uh, you know, and I think John kind of touched on it. A lot of people perceive it as uh, easier to do uh, than Western fly angling. And I think uh, the only difference between that and Western is the addition of a reel because you still have to have good casting form and everything else. But, um, yeah. it, it, you know, that's it, it's kind of strange in, in that respect. Now, you know, this, this gets a little bit deeper into the weeds of, of Tenkara and all that kind of stuff. But um, as far as, you know, bringing it to light and popularity uh, outside of Tenkara USA, um, is there anybody that was really out there outside of that original group when, when you started that was really doing it, that had a name for themselves? Or uh, was it just basically I mean, somebody had to lead the guys at Tenkara USA to Tenkara. <laughs> they, right, you know, right. I mean, was was there any kind of like pathway that where they discovered this and they started going down that path? You know, the I'm I'm not sure. The the way I understand it and the way the way I've heard it is um Daniel discovered it and decided to make the company around it after like he discovered it through he took trips to Japan, I guess, because um, it is his, I, I believe, I don't want to be wrong on this, and I apologize if I am, I believe his wife is Japanese. Um, and so they would take trips to Japan. Um, and I believe he discovered it there and thought, oh, this, this is pretty cool, and um, saw that it wasn't really being done in the States. And so I think that's why um, I, I think that's why he created the company. I could be totally wrong on that. That's, I, I remember that being kind of the case. Mm -hmm. um, as far as I remember, um, aside from Tenkara USA, I remember uh, in the early days, like Jason Sparks was big. His, his name was, was, was really big. Um, Chris Stewart was another one, Tenkara bum. Mm -hmm. um, he kind of focused on uh, more of the, uh, very traditional um the, the stuff that you can buy like like the jdm equipment the stuff you can only buy in, in japan mm -hmm. um and he was another resource um oh gosh on on the spot i'm, I'm sure i can think of more names but on the spot i'm, I'm trying to think of the names uh, you're, um, you're good dude yeah you're yeah. good <laughs> no it, it was a loaded question and the only reason why i asked that was it's like it, it, when you find somebody that's been doing something this specific for well over a decade, I, it, it's not like somebody that is out, 
Oh, you know, fishing for bass with a specific lure only, you know, this is like a right. totally different fishing style. So it's, so it, it's always nice to, to kind of, you know, like Tankara USA gets a lot of credit, but I know that there were other people oh, that were sure. out there in the mix that were doing a lot. They just happened to have the smartest marketing department out of everybody else and probably right. the best capital startup capability. So that's, that's why I always ask is like, you know, there's, there's always kind of a pathway with everything, you know, but, but you being For one sure. of the original folks, it, it's it, what, what's funny to me is, is I think that John and I came around to discovering you a lot later uh, uh, than, than everybody else, because John and I have conversations about this, like Instagrams <laughs> where everybody wants to become famous, right? You know, yeah. everybody wants to be famous, you know, they're doing a duck lips, holding a fish up or whatever they're doing. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but, but there's some folks that are like genuinely just interested in like seeing what's going on in the world on, on Instagram. And we came around to you a lot later after we, we met all these other people. And it's like, dang, you know, you've been doing this for, you know, like I said, I'm going to do the math probably wrong 12, 13 years now. And that's like the longest that we know of anybody actually doing Tenkara. That's, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it doesn't even seem that long. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm in by no means like a, like an expert or anything. It's just, I don't know. I just, I just like fishing. And that was yeah. like, this is like the most simple, like raw form of fishing. And it's, I mean, I just, I, I just love it. Dude. I really like that you use the word <laughs> raw there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because um, our buddy Trey Westerfeld, right. He said uh, one time I was talking to him, he's, it was when I was kind of new to fly fishing, right. Like uh, he was, he was like, man, because I told him, I, you know, I caught this fish and that, that's a story for another time. Anyway, I caught this fish and, you know, I told him, I was like, I was like, man, that, that felt good, dude. He's like, man, like, you know, he kind of, he kind of got out there a little bit and he was like, man, it's like a cerebral extension of your body is what he said about Western fly. But you use the word raw. And that's what Tenkara is, dude. It's raw. It, you feel that power. It's not cerebral. It's primal. You, yeah. you, you feel that fish from the rod tip all the way down your whole arm. As soon as that oh, yeah. fish takes it, dude. And I, I was, I was shocked, like honestly shocked when I hooked a big fish on it because it wasn't, you know, Western fly, like the rod it's doing so much of the work you know i'm just i'm stripping line i'm holding up like this kind of going over here no dude that fish was like shaking my arm and i don't know <laughs> if it, i don't know if it's because i was nervous because i finally hooked this trout or what but dude it, i i can't forget that so i can see the appeal you know it's it's understandable and it is raw dude that is that is some oh, raw there. ass fishing dude like there's there's minimal i mean you you gotta there's 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 no gear that's gonna like save you it's you yeah, and the yeah. rod and your technique yeah. that's what i like about it is it's hey if you and there's been times like when you do it wrong you either lose a fish or you snap a tippet or something and it's like ah oh. and then you think about it all day you're like oh man i i did this when i should have did this like it, it really does focus on like your technique because the gear isn't really going to save you it's your technique and You'd be amazed, like the little, even the little brookies I catch, like just the power behind them. Like you're looking at this little fish and you don't pay it any mind. 
until you hook one into on Tenkara, and then you're like, man, that thing's strong. Like, yeah. I had no idea, you know. And I, I, I know you've heard me on, uh, you know, in the in the in the chat and stuff. Like, I always talk about my my uh, you know adoration of bluegill. Oh yeah, and dude, yeah. that's because like they're beautiful. Like, I I don't feel like they get the respect that they deserve. Like, not only are they beautiful, but when you hook into one, especially on a Tenkara rod, even those little guys they fight man they they fight like yeah. ass you know and it's i i respect that you know you gotta you gotta respect it bluegill's a mean fish i don't care what anybody says that's the fish yeah. that'll eat everything it, it, it's got the heart of a lion and the mouth of a mouse otherwise they'd kill yeah. everything in the lake. <laughs> my, yeah. my dad always said uh <clears throat> if you ever hooked a good size bluegill i think you said like an exact way you know He'll probably be like, why didn't you remember that? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, he always said something like, if you ever hook like a five pound bluegill, you never get it in the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> They're just like little footballs, man. They, yeah. they, they are, it's just sheer power, man. I don't know what. They're eating their weighties, dude. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're good fish, man. And they're, they're actually, they're, so in like the early days of me doing Tenkara, when I I just wasn't catching anything because I was trying to teach myself how to do it without anyone really showing me. <clears throat> um, bluegill was like my saving grace, right? Yeah. It's, you'd go, I'd go out, you know, time after time and not catch anything. I'd be so frustrated and I'd be like, ah. And then I'd go to the, you know, the county, the local county pond and I'd catch bluegill on the Tenkara and it kind of like recharges you. You're like, oh, okay. I'm catching fish yeah. on it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, it kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good for another couple of weeks, you know? And, and then you go back out and try to do it again. But yeah, man, I, I, I got mad respect for the bluegill. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Dude. So your flies, uh, you tie your own flies. So do, yes. if you, what, what would you say you're, if, if I said June, Sakasa and Futsu, what would you say is your go-to of those three uh, patterns? What maybe what's your color? How do you? I don't know. What's your what's your go-to for each of those? Right, right. Yeah. Um. Well, I can say right now, my the juice for me has been um, like a red-bodied futsu with with grizzly hackle. Um, that that's been killing it for me. Um. I really only use, uh, I only use Sakasas and Futsus really. Um, and I kind of have my own like philosophy on when I use either one, but, um, I really only tie uh, a, a Sakasa in like a couple different variations or a Futsu in like a couple different variations. And that's about it. That's what that's, that's all I use. <laughs> <laughs> I love tying. So it's, yeah. I'll, I'll tie all kinds of stuff just because I love tying. It's a creative outlet for me. It's, it's relaxing, you know? Um, but most of the stuff I tie, I end up giving away because I, I only use a couple patterns. So. <laughs> I really like those. Um, I like all your stuff. I think it's really clean. You can tell you take a lot of pride in what you do, but the Thank one you. that, the one that always and will always come to mind when I think of Justin's flies it's your little rainbow trout streamers, dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> your little your little bucktail yep. streamers. I was like, man, that is slick, yeah. dude. I got I got those right here still. Yeah, those I, I plan on. Uh, I want to use these. So again, this is another one where it's like, 
trying to push the limits of fixed line and like, who, what else, what else can I do with this? And this was one of those things where you can throw these for, uh, um, I threw these a few years ago for bass and they worked. And then from then on, it was like, Ooh, I wonder if I can do like steelhead with it or something, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, I still, I, I still got those right here, but, uh, that's what I plan on doing with those is trying to rig those up with like my Kru rod and trying to get like steel or something with it. Yeah. yeah I'm... Go, go ahead, ahead, John. No, I was no, just, I, I was just going to say you're, ah, <laughs> no, go, go. no, you, you go. No, you got me excited when you, you got me really excited when you said steelhead. Have you ever hooked a steelhead on 10 car? No, I haven't. <laughs> it's kind of been like a, a dream of mine. <laughs> they, they are river unicorns. I, I, they'll give yeah. a muskie a run for their money as far as the amount of casts. So anyways, go ahead, John. I was just going to say the, the carry rod you have is like a million feet long. Not, not literally, <laughs> but how long right. is that rod? Because I've seen the pictures. That's a, that's a long rod, bro. <laughs> that one's a long one. That one, um, that one's the Nissan two-way rod uh that's a 20 footer and it's actually a zoom so that one i can fish at 18 and a half feet or i can zoom it to 20 feet um not all KRU rods are that long uh i got that one you know the the big boy if you will because <laughs> initially my thought process with that was i wanted to take it surf fishing and so i wanted a really long rod yeah with the backbone, the pole, you know, like, like a perch out of the surf. Um, and with the long rod, have that really long line so I can actually get out there. Um, but I mean, I, I haven't taken it to the surf yet. <laughs> I bought it for surf fishing and I end up using it for, I mean, it does really good in big rivers. Uh, I, I actually end up throwing trout magnet jigs with it because it, it, it oh, throws you trout easily do that. Yeah. They, it throws it like a dream because it's fixed line. Mm -hmm. I know exactly the depth where my trout magnet is and I can control the depth. I can, you know, just by, just by moving my arm, I can have it like bump off the bottom or I can keep it in the middle of the column or, you know, whatever. So I, I found, I found it's pretty deadly with trout magnet jigs, but eventually I'll take it to the surf. <laughs> see how it goes. <laughs> So yeah, you're you're pushing all my right buttons here. You went from steelhead to surf perch, and uh, yeah. so so when when you <laughs> when you do get ready to go out and and fish the surf with that rod, uh, what what line length? I mean, uh, obviously you're fishing that first trench during high tide. Yeah, that's a, that's all <laughs> you're going to get to. You're not going to be going yeah. after like the second or third trench. So you're no. fishing the first trench, and you are basically letting that current wash that bait around until one of those guys come up and hammer it um you know you're how much line you throwing out there and does it take like a special type of line for salt water um well i think it's we'll we'll see <laughs> there, there, there's there, there, there's some other so there, there are some other tinkar anglers i know that have used it in the surf um <clears throat> martin um Sage Hart Tenkara, I know he went to uh, Hawaii and he was actually catching all kinds of fish in the surf. Um, he has the exact same carry rod as me. And um, he was catching all kinds of crazy Hawaiian fish in the surf on his carry rod. And it was pretty cool. Um, so 
as far as the length of line, um, I, I use level line with everything, which is just a, uh, I, I like the fluorocarbon level line. Mm-hmm. Um, no taper to it, no nothing. <clears throat> um, and I use 3.5 um or um for the surf i'd probably bump it up to uh 4.5 um i like to use the length of like main line whether it's level or furled or whatever mm-hmm. i like to use the same length of line as the rod and then i will typically use like an arm's length of uh tippet um so it ends up being like you know around two two and a half three feet of tippet um for the surf i would probably use one and a half times the length of line so i'd probably be using like a probably a 30 foot section of level line and then another probably three or four feet of tippet on top of that um and then we'd see how that goes i would probably my plan is to bump the 5x you know up to like a 4x Mm-hmm. um because that rod can handle it and yeah. then um you know the k ryu is meant to tankara tankara rods aren't meant to throw weight you know it's meant to be a weightless fly just like fly fishing it's the weight of the line that, that's kind of casting it k ryu is a little different k ryu is meant to throw weight mm-hmm. um and so i i plan on um, the rig that's always worked for me for the surf, especially for surf perch, because it's like one of my favorite fish to catch and eat, is um, I always just used a high low rig. Yep. You know, on a on a on, a, on my spinning setup, I yep. used a high low rig with the Berkeley grub, the Berkeley yep. uh, sandworms. I murder them on that. Yes, yeah, absolutely it. murder them. You can get yep. doubles. I, I mean, then, if you get into a school, you're you're limited out in five minutes. Oh yeah, I get. I, I Dylan Beach is like my area where I go and I just okay. I, I hammer them all day long and so I wanted to take a similar approach with the KRU rod put a little bit of weight on there so I can kind of get it out and have it sink in that surf um, yeah, just and let that that high low rig go back and forth yeah. and it probably wouldn't be a double like like a like a true high low rig it, it'd probably just be um like like, like a single hook with with a with a sandworm on it and then just a a, a dropper like sinker on it um that's the plan you, you i'll let probably, you know what happens you could probably yeah. do a, a point fly and then a a tag uh, if yeah you really that's what to. i would say i would i would almost do that and i, I say fly but how you want to do yeah. it i would you know i do surgeons down to an anchor that way you could use a weightless up here and mm-hmm. you're anchored down here and that that give you the right um the right weight to cast you know it's not it won't be right. super clunky and whatever i yeah I, I mean i'm not i've never fished the surf dude i'm just i'm pulling shit out my I, rear right now well, I, I think i think your your method's spot on john you know i mean and, and i fish the surf a lot you know and and i think you have too justin uh, the 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 idea of the anchor would work pretty well you'd have to have a pretty significant anchor uh, yeah you know i i don't even know where to start uh, so with with conventional gear uh on on a nice day you're running two ounces away that's on a nice day yeah i was normally here. yeah i was normally running like a three or four ounce pyramid weight at, yeah at Dillon beach Holy just yeah, uh, yeah. I, this last weekend I was running eight ounces because we had a tidal surge yeah. coming in. 
So <laughs> it, it was like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it was still getting tossed around like a rag doll. So we went from like a, like a six foot swell up to like a 14 foot swell within about three hours. And that's when wow. I was like, I, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was get, it was getting a little nautical. So I was like, I think I could get out of here. When, when, when you watch the rip current come through and you're like, Oh boy. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It's one of those uh, North Pacific yeah. type things, you know, you're like, and, and yeah. then you just watch hell coming over the, the horizon. You're like, yeah, I'm, de I'm done. <laughs> oh yeah. De definitely going to say, oops, uh, definitely going to say though, uh, that, that that's going to probably be a pretty fair weather, low swell fishing method, yes. because, uh, if you, if you're out there, you're going to have to wade pretty, uh, you're, you're probably about 40. No you're probably about 15 feet off of where it breaks over the sand there. So that's, that's going to be, you're going to be out there a little bit. And when you got the yeah. incoming high tide, then yeah, you'll definitely, yeah. <laughs> that's going to be tricky, but I, I want to see the fish come in on that, that rod uh, when, oh, when so you got I. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely want to see that. That just sounds like super cool. I mean, they're, they're out there and they're, they're, Oh man, yeah. I mean, I've I've always called perch like we we get a lot of the silver perch at uh at Dillon Beach and oh, I always okay. silver perch to me are like bluegill of the ocean, man. They just they they <laughs> they keep hitting things. They do. And, you know, fortunately, like so Dillon Beach where I go, um, I don't know if you've ever been or if you're familiar with Dillon Beach, but it's it's a uh, it's a pretty calm beach. It's it's a it's a little protective cove. Okay. Um, a lot of people kind of surf there, like learn how to surf there, uh, because it's, it's not, it's not as like raw ocean as you get, like in some place, like in Santa Cruz, they get some really big waves, you know, mm -hmm. um, Dillon beach, it's, it's a little more mellow and, um, there's kind of this gradual, um, it, it doesn't just get super deep really fast. But, yeah. So uh, you have the, you have the approaching sand, yeah. you know, the dune comes down like this instead of being like that exactly, yeah. you know, dumping off into a trough yeah and i i could only imagine trying to cast a keru uh you know th that type of rod or tank car or even fly if you're if you're backed up against a cliff and and that's so we have beaches like that here but but the yeah. way that the tides interchange and stuff like that it's really bizarre especially if you're outside of jetty tips on a bay or something like that so there's right. there's not as many of those protective coves here but we get red tail surf perch. We get the silver surf perch up here, okay. but we also get the red tail and the red tail will get up to yeah. like two pounds, two and a half pounds. And so I, that, that's what I was thinking in my mind. I'm like, you're going to hook two of those. They're going to thrash that rod. Cause if they can, <laughs> right. if they can yeah, take no. a medium heavy action, 10 foot and bend <laughs> that thing over and just, you know, with like oh, a, yeah. a two to three ounce pyramid and race back and forth in the surf, because they're just, yep. they're, they are the bluegill of the ocean. I mean, they're just, <laughs> they're insane yeah, little fighters, man. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not going to be doing a double, just a single hook. Yeah, <laughs> one, that's it, yeah. But, yeah, it should be. It, uh, this uh, this year didn't really work out because, you know, I just, things came up and got too busy. But next year, I'm definitely taking that to the surf. Oh, yeah, you know? that's going to be cool. I can't <laughs> wait to see it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, Dave. I, I, that's that's so much weight, dude. Like I, 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 I can't get over that, man. Like I, now I I went deep sea fishing once, well twice. Uh, well, I went deep sea fishing once, and I fished off a pier once with some squid. Didn't catch anything right, off right. the pier. 
but I caught a red snapper and you know, that was a lot of fun. I don't remember anything about it as a kid, but then, <laughs> you know, like when I think of a lot of weight, I think of like guys using spark plugs and stuff like over here at the spillway <laughs> when they're generating, <laughs> Dude, you're, you're using, you're using like four or five times the amount of weight. <laughs> that's you got you got to get it anchored just, to that ocean man the ocean knocks it around and you gotta yeah you need something that'll if, if you're using like a one ounce egg weight or something it won't even touch the bottom it'll almost yeah float. it just kind of it, 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 yeah it just drifts so like i i think the lightest that i go is ounce and a half to two ounces when i'm out there that's about the lightest that i'll go on that but yeah. but like i said uh four ounces is actually three to four is common if you got really like rip and surf like major tide yeah. exchange then you're looking six to eight and that's just that's just so that you can anchor it in the trough and basically yeah. it, it, it's still getting tossed around but it slows it down you know yeah. it's like thing just think of it that way like you got a strong current in the river you're like oh man i need a quarter ounce to get down there and hold it well out there you need like eight to ten ounces just to kind of slow it down yeah, yeah it's 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 crazy dude uh, uh, I'll I'll show you some sturgeon weights that are like eighteen to twenty ounces. Oh, oh my yeah. god, dude. it's <laughs> stupid. They're like a big, the... they're a cube. Like it's yeah. like why? And and you see these guys and they're like, you know, they just go Rawr! and they roar out and they just it's the kaploosh. You know, it's like why don't you just put a rock inside a grocery bag and tie it to your money? It would, I mean, it would probably do the same, but they just want to pin the bait down to the bottom and hold it in one spot. Yep. So is that what every, everything that you do in like inland waters, you got to multiply it like 10 times for the, <laughs> yeah. you know, for so, the you're, ocean. so you're just trying to get that on the bottom and then have the other bait suspended. Yeah, so, so so uh, we call it a high lobe. You'd call it a double dropper. Yeah, I, well, not only that, but like drop shot. I think I'm thinking drop, drop shot. or drop shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, it's like a drop shot rig. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a th th think of think of a drop shot with two hooks. You yeah, know? but okay. instead of the so or like three. when I like in my bass days when I would do drop shots like robo worms and stuff, you just have the hook. Um, you tie it in line and then leave the leave a little bit of a leader and tie your weight at the bottom yeah high low is um you tie kind of like two loops in in line and then you have your weight at the very bottom and then your two hooks that you attach to those loops are also on like little leaders so it's oh. almost like you have yeah you have like a you, main dude. line and then you have, you know, your, your hook kind of comes out on its own leader. So it's not right to the line. It, 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 yeah, it comes it, out that way. Head. That way the bait can kind of flutter around. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the, the so, effect. Like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah but you, ideally you try to get them so that like one's facing one way and one's facing the other way. Yeah. Um, but you know, the surf's going to do what it wants. So <laughs> yeah, everything gets twisted into a rag doll and turned into a mess in the surf. It's just, that's what it is. If you get yeah. up here, John, I'll take I'll take you down there to the beach and even like have to make a slight detour. Yeah, even even um, you know, because I, I do uh, when I'm down there, not not just surf fishing, but I do a lot of like rock fishing for like lingcod and kelp greenling and stuff like that. Yeah, and even those. Um, so you think about like if I was fishing for bass or something, and I'm throwing like a swim bait, you know, I'm probably throwing like 
I don't know, three quarter ounce or an ounce, you know, jig head with a with like a rage tail on it or something. Yeah. Well, my my swim bait for the surf when I'm catching like you know lingcod and stuff off of the rocks is again I'm using like a three or four ounce. Yeah. <laughs> you know jig head with a big old you know rage tail yeah. on it how, how yeah. do you how you do gotta you hook that big like a seven like knot a heavy <laughs> action rod you gotta have a heavy rod yeah Dave, <laughs> heavy so that's... action brave line yeah uh, all right well, i have a lot more respect for them people surf surf casting now because i didn't realize <laughs> that they could die if they messed up like you, you can't you catch seven ounces coming at Mach five. You're not getting up from that. <laughs> no, you're you're dead. Yeah. Well, well, the fun part is is when your bail closes up and it snaps off the end of your leader. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You're like, whoa, bang, and it's like down. Oh yeah. And it's just like fire and coastal artillery out there. You're just hoping, <laughs> you know, some poor bastard out there in the kayak ends up getting drilled. It's yeah. just gonna be done. You know, they're they're they're, they're gonna be turned into fish food you know <laughs> oops sorry <laughs> you know 150 yards out there hit him at like 400 miles an hour with a chunk of lead man i, I know we were talking about whopper poppers last time on the, yeah. on the last episode dude that reminded me i was so i was furious one day i don't know why I, i'm telling stories now sorry <laughs> but, yeah, but nice dude well. dude uh you know, I, I kept backlashing, kept backlashing, kept backlashing. There's brand new line on this reel. And I was like, this line sucks, dude. And I was, <laughs> I was so mad because I just I just put this line on here. And I was like, this line sucks, man. Are you never buying this line? And Dave, I whip it and I'm fishing under an overpass. And I'm ever you couldn't have got a greased BB up my asshole, dude. That that walker plopper went up on that overpass. <laughs> dude it is it's the interstate and all all i saw was this like this red corvette come by at the same time and i was like no don't, don't hit that car man. not the corvette anything but the corvette it's a jalopy but not the corvette yeah, yeah. you know you, you you put it like a whopper plopper 90 or 130 through a corvette windshield that'll be a first <laughs> imagine that that that'll test your drag real quick oh, yeah. yeah you're gonna be you know, trying to straighten that rod out as fast as he can. Could, could you imagine that this this Shimano SLX and this Dobbins Fury just just shooting out of your hands? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be ridiculous. They, they, <laughs> oh yeah. man. Sorry. Anyway, yeah, that's Dude, what that's, I thought. That, of. That's how it is. Every, everything in the all, all the ocean fishing, man. It's like. Yeah that's how it is it's everything's kind of higher stakes I, I we do um me and some buddies from work like twice a year we'll do uh charter trips and um sometimes we'll go a little more but we we do like two a year for like halibut and then we'll we'll yeah. do the salmon um out at the bay the the, the salmon that's that uh mm -hmm. spawn out by um uh out of emeryville and stuff yeah and uh dude you'll like especially with the halibut and stuff when you go out um and you, you start doing some rock fishing and stuff like that you'll pull up some massive rock bass yeah and you'll get them like all the way up and you've been fighting this thing pulling it all the way up from the bottom and you got like 
you know, hundred or I think it's like eighty pound freaking braid on there, and they'll you'll get it all the way to the surface, and if you don't have it like hooked or if something fails and not fails, that thing will ding and it'll just shoot, you know, hooks going <laughs> Mach five all over the place, you know. Yeah, it, it's just you have a you have a big ass, you know, like. Yeah. you know well off, uh, off yeah that, hook or that bottom jig yeah you're you, it's like a six or seven knot hook on like three or four ounces of lead that's what it takes yeah. it's a, seriously and and then you put like a you know an eight inch curly tail or grub on there and you just yeah. sit there and jig like this but you got like yep. a you know six and a half foot heavy action like 20 to 50 pound mm -hmm. rated boat rod you know with like a there's, big there's ass, so you know, much and salt water so reel. much pressure on the rods because the oh, fish are so big it's yeah well you something goes wrong like it really goes wrong yeah hook a ling <laughs> hook, yeah hook a ling at like 120 feet with one of those things oh yeah. my god yeah, you're, oh, yeah. You're, you're like oh you know you're pulling and the thing's bent over halfway and you're just like get mm -hmm. some get some get some and you're just like even on that thing and it comes up and its eyes are popped out and then it barks oh, yeah. all over the boat. That's the best one. I love it. I love it when they regurgitate, you know, some people are like, Oh my God, you know, like barf seals up and everything else. Those things, <laughs> I love Ling Cod. They are the best. <laughs> but Dude, those they, things, they are mean when, when you looking. have, yeah. When you have a fish that could swallow a basketball, I mean, holy shit. That is a they're, big they're mean fish. fish, man. But they're, <laughs> yeah. dude, they make the best fish tacos. Oh, no. oh yeah. good. <laughs> uh, you're making me hungry. Uh, oh, I bet, so I'm going to go out to the freezer and thaw out some, go beer batter that and throw it in the air fryer. <laughs> I, 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 I used up the last of my fish recently. The, the last trip we went on, we ended up, we limited out on a whole bunch of stuff, but I, yeah. you know, I had 20 pounds of lingcod and, and, uh, and rock bass and oh man. i just i just used the last of it but yeah i just dude, fish tacos man link link cod fish yeah. tacos <laughs> well the halibut the halibut's a close second you know well i mean halibut's it's halibut. oh man yeah halibut is my favorite fish in the whole ocean i mean well, and, and then and then people sit there and say you know oh look at the halibut you know you ever open the mouth on one of those things oh yeah those well, things are shredders man and, and it's a massive fin have you seen the pacific halibut <laughs> <laughs> like many well, people think of here, like California yeah. halibut, you know, and yeah, like especially on here, like oh halibut, you know, oh they're you know they're, well, they they're, think they're, they're big, they're 15, like 20 this. pounds, and it's like, uh, have you seen a Pacific halibut? They're yeah. like the size of a boat. Yeah, well, well, when you reel it up and you got to shoot it with a three fifty seven before you bring it into the boat, that's a that's yeah. a that's a fish. Uh, well, not to mention, it's like we we call them doormats because it's like you reel yeah. it up and it's like reeling up a doormat. I mean. Well, and they're, then you go for a run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's one massive fin going. Well, take yep. a bluegill and inject it with like, you know, U-238 and, and put it out <laughs> in the ocean and make it like a super predator. That's what a halibut is. You you hook it and you're just reeling up and, and it's just like, no, no, no. And, and it just goes. That's it. And, and you're just like, what do I have? You know, when the guy's getting out the pistol to shoot it, you know, when you get it up, they're like, yeah, we'll gaff it and shoot it. That way it doesn't break your leg when we haul it over the side. <laughs> right, like, right. Like that's the, that's the exception. Yeah. Yeah. They get use yeah. a harpoon, you know, the harpoon it with a buoy like Jaws. Those things they, are yeah. It's like Jerry Clower said, you know, uh, John's climbing up that tree with the with the raccoon. And it wasn't a raccoon, it was a, it was like a bobcat or mountain lion or something. I don't remember. And he's like, just shoot up amongst us. One of us needs some relief. <laughs> 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 well, 
Wasn't no coon, but it was definitely a bobcat. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> Dude, we got to talk about uh, food. Just, yeah. You got, you got another, I mean, you probably got like 15 accounts that you're keeping secret from me, but I know yeah. another one. Yeah, you, you got, got the food one. Yeah. You got the hungry kabari, Dave. What's going on with that? That was, yeah, I, I, I love cooking. I, I love cooking. Um, Heck yeah. That was just something that's like, I, I just, again, it's a, it's a, it's a creative outlet for me. So um, that was just something I started as like a another creative outlet. So I wasn't like flooding my, you know, my, my fishing page with like food, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I do. uh, I was telling Nick today, it's funny. I kind of have like two pantries and if you open one pantry, it's, you know, you'd think you were in an Asian household. And if you open the other pantry, you'd think you're in a Hispanic household. Cause that's like, <laughs> dude, that's what I cook, man. I love Hispanic food. I love Asian food. And so yeah. I just, I like cooking it. Um, but yeah, I just, that, that was just another little channel that I was kind of messing around with, with food. <laughs> dude, but what is that grill though? That little. Oh, that is a, uh, um, so that's a yak grill. It's uh, for, it's a yakitori grill. Um, so that was like, that's like my new obsession. <laughs> I, I'm going to go look uh, at it right now. I'm paying attention, but yeah. So, uh, yakitori was like my new thing that, um, I'm, I'm one of those people. Like if I, if something interests me, like I, I, I I've had a lot of hobbies over the years. Cause I, <laughs> if, if something like interests me, I can't just be like, Oh, yakitori, what's that? Oh, that's cool. And then move on. It's kind of like, hey, that's cool. What's that? Okay, now I have to know every single thing about that. I got to know why <laughs> that is. I got to know how they do it. I got to experience doing it. And that's just, that's how I am. So that that was like my latest obsession where That's like I a little started, hibachi. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that grill, it's, you know, it, it's basically a hibachi grill. It's made to burn um, the special, like it's called binchotan charcoal, um, which is it's like a uh, the the real binchotan stuff is super expensive and I can't afford it. But it comes from like Japan. It comes from a special like white oak tree that's made in Japan, and the, the that charcoal burns for like hours and hours and hours, and it's super super hot. Um, I use, I don't have any, but I use some other stuff that's like, uh, it's like bentotan charcoal, but um, it's, it's, uh, it's, man, it's from Thailand. It's some like good looking food. Dude. <laughs> but it's, yeah, that, go ahead. I'm, I'm listening. I'm just looking it's at all, it. It's all designed, that, that, that grill's designed to just burn that really, really hot charcoal. Um, so you're, you're cooking small bits of food, you know, on skewers. Um, really, really high heat. It cooks it really fast. It, keeps it juicy and um that, i mean that, that's kind of what it's designed for so so with it burning so hot is there a lot of smoke so the the charcoal's smokeless but actually what what i've i'm super novice at this so i, I don't want to look like an idiot but oh no from what i've learned you know it's it's yeah, it's yeah. not the oh, it's not the that. charcoal that gives off the smoke you, you kind of rely on like the fat from the chicken Mm-hmm. the drip onto the charcoal mm-hmm. and it makes that smoke and that's that that's part of the flavor is uh while that fat is dripping onto the charcoal it's kind of like smoking up and, and infusing all this like you know chicken fat delicious flavor with everything and 
so it's the, really good it's got to be really specific that that's cool man because when i think about that Dude. that means that that recipe not every recipe is specific you know except unless it comes from your grandma and then it's you know it's a right. pinch of salt you know it's a yep. pinch of yep. salt and it's like <laughs> yeah. three three shakes of sugar and uh and you, you can't ever add the same love your grandma does to her banana bread right, anyway right. yeah but you know they have to be really specific recipes to get that really good flavor then like I would imagine because it's not, it's not like you just, you add, I mean, I'm sure you could add whatever you wanted on there. I mean, it's America. You can do whatever you want, but. Right. Exactly. You know, America, <laughs> America. but I would America. imagine, you know, like, okay, well, if I want to do, you know, a beef and a mushroom and then some mm -hmm. other, you know, really, um, I don't even know what the word is. I, I don't, I just cook this, food, man. I don't know what it's called. I just know what it tastes like, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> but juicy man, for lack of so, a better, lack of yeah. better terms, stuff that gives off a lot of uh, moisture and juices that flow mm -hmm. when heated up. Yep. Like I, I would imagine peppers mm -hmm. and, and mushrooms and beef. I think that'd be, that'd be pretty rad, dude. Beef is really good. I've done um, beef short ribs on it, like made skewers um, using short rib. Um, they call that like poor man's wagyu because it's just so tender. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially when you're cooking it so fast like that, it's just dude, it melts in your mouth. And uh, so, it, you know, talking about like specific recipes and stuff. Um, if I can geek out for a minute on yakitori here for a minute, but uh, it's what I didn't know and what was interesting to me is, you know, when I first saw yakitori i'm like oh you know they're they're skewers of chicken like whatever but then when you get into it it's like there there's such a it's so much more and it's such an in-depth way of cooking a whole chicken um and that's specifically what it is yakitori is is grilled chicken mm -hmm. and um so they you know that there's a couple uh there's this guy i follow called um i think it's the yakitori guy is is, is is what his name is but um he does all these like really cool um, like tutorials on how to break down a whole chicken for yakitori. And there's all these specific traditional Japanese yakitori skewers that you learn how to make. Um, but the, the thing that stood out that I didn't know is it's the sauce that they put on it. So the sauce is called a tare and it's made basically, um, let's see, it's, it's sake, mirin, and soy sauce in, in different amounts. Um, some people add like a little bit of, of sugar. Um, some people don't, but it's basically sake, mirin, and soy sauce. And as you cook them, um, like pretty much right as the, the skewer's kind of getting ready to be done, you take it off, you dip it in the tare, and then you put it back on so it kind of gets cooked onto it. Well, over time, making all those skewers and dipping it into this sauce, it changes the flavor of that sauce. And you have these, especially in Japan, you have these yakitori shops that 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 tare is kind of like a living, breathing, um, never-ending pot of sauce, and they'll they'll keep that pot going for years. And so, at the end of the night, you know, um, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I I remember hearing something about that. Go ahead, though. Go ahead. Yeah. So when they cook all those skewers at the end of the night, that sauce may go down by, you know, like an inch or two. And then they just kind of add new tare to it. 
but it still retains all that old tare. And so you'll, mm-hmm. you'll get these shops that have like 50 year old tare. Yes. Yes. That, yeah. That have been yeah. going forever. And they just have this like super deep flavor to them. Um, and it's interesting. So, so mine, uh, when I first started, I made my tare and, uh, you know, you kind of taste it. Like the first time I cooked with it, it's like a very, it's good, mm-hmm. but you can tell that it's a very like simple recipe there's not a lot of like depth behind it or anything or character and I've used it even in um so I've cooked with that thing like 10 times now maybe and uh even in that short amount of time cooking with it you can tell like it, it just gets so much more flavor like as you use it um and there's starting to be like other notes of like you can taste like a little smokiness in it or you can taste you know it gets a little fatty from the chicken you know constantly being dunked in there and like the chicken fat mixing in with it and um but yeah it's 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 just you you can get you can go down the rabbit hole with it man i mean (laughs) i i I just love it i it's just absolutely well first of all looking at the food uh, on on your page the the sushi the you know the um noodles you know it's just incredible looking like you can tell that you like you care about the food that you prepare it's just like your fly tying you care about the flies that you tie but but the cool part is is that you've really delved into like this whole um un- really subcultural understanding of the food that's the cool part because a lot of people just look at it on the surface they're like oh japanese food yakisoba you know <laughs> it goes or, or sushi you know it goes so much deeper and and the fascinating part and and because we're we're this whole centric focus on on japanese form uh you know of, of japanese culture is is that not only are you uh, taking in the japanese uh, uh you know culture as far as the fishing but you're also taking in the food part of it and then you're able to take the fishing and apply it to the food which is really you know it's it's you know farm to table basically right yeah and that's super cool you know because a lot of people are like oh yeah i caught an albacore tuna let's, you know let's fry that thing up or let's slap it on the <laughs> grill or or you know in in the case of somebody that's well schooled in sushi you slice that thing and you eat it like with some wasabi oh man they mm-hmm. don't know what they're missing uh, albacore yellowfin bluefin i mean we get albacore right you know yeah that that is just top notch with some, some wasabi awesome. Oh man. Oh yeah. I could go destroy the, the, the little gantry down at the sushi place right now, just on <laughs> albacore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just be over there. Give me all the green plates, man. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. I'd be over there. No, 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 no. You know, that stuff is so good, but, but oh yeah, super cool page you got too. And, and the way Thank that you. you have it and, and your photos are, are incredible too. Just the, the way that the, the color pops with the food. I, I, I don't, I don't want to track off of fishing too much, but man, so many of us fish and so many of us love to eat what we catch. Yeah. And, 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 you know, some of it, obviously you caught some of it. You're probably going to the store to get, you know, you, you can't get everything for all of that, but that's right, super right. cool. So you do Tenkara and you do, uh, you know, cultural fusion food. You ever cross a Hispanic and the Japanese, like do something to piss Gordon Ramsay off really bad. <laughs> I haven't, no. <laughs> like, like make an udon burrito or something like that. You know, I will say this. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not above it. You just gave me an idea. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dude, do it. Do it. Just take, just take some udon noodles and load it up. And, you know, slap, slap some short ribs in there and yep, some yep. Taco Bell hot sauce. Call it good. Dude, you're making, you're making my mouth. You're, you're, you got something. You're making my mouth water. <laughs> just don't forget your lamb sauce. <laughs> yeah, the lamb sauce. What, what about the bass? Between the lamb sauce and the bass. That, that's yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Jeez, oh, oh, this is too good. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what it's about. It's just I like uh, I don't know. I I, I I like delving into things, and I like uh, like really, really exploring like why things are like. I mean, food is a perfect example because it's like you look at the way someone cooks something, and it's like, well, how did you cook it that way? well, why did you cook it that way? What's the science behind cooking it that way? Why can't I cook it this way? You know, and it's just, I like delving into everything and just peeling back every layer that I can and immersing myself in, in what I, and there's some hobbies I have. It's my, you know, at the detriment to my wife, unfortunately. Uh, and she's very supportive of me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, she, there's a lot of hobbies I have where I'm like, so, story time uh leather working so oh, i got sweet. into i was like i really like you know like like you know leather leather like wallets and leather portfolios and stuff and um there was a guy that i worked with that makes these little like leather portfolios and i was like oh that's pretty cool and i looked at his i'm like i bet i could make something like this and so i went out and bought a bunch of like leather working stuff and i i went down to like you know the local leather place and I bought like a big old, you know, talking to him about what I need and came home with a big old like half side of, of leather. And um, for a little while, like I, I taught myself kind of how to work on leather and I made some little tabletop footballs and then I made some wallets and I made like a, I mean, I made, I actually made a couple of like really cool things. And then I was like, okay, cool. I know how that works. Now I'm done. <laughs> and I haven't like done anything yet because yeah it's kind of just the way my brain works i need to know like how everything works and i i want to do it and experience it and sometimes it's a hobby that sticks and sometimes it's like okay cool that that was fun but moving on so now i got a bunch of you know leather working stuff that i don't use and <laughs> hey sell it get it on craigslist or, or the buy sell sell it and then right. roll that over into your food i i just think I don't know what it is. And John, you know, I know John will like go out and he'll catch a load of white bass and fry them up and make hush puppies. Like that's, mm, that's his thing. Me, I'll go out there with the clam guns and I'll go, I'll go pluck some razor clams oh, yeah. and I'll, I'll make those up with some Jojo's, you know, and then, and then of course everything in the Northwest, we dip in tartar sauce, right? You know, you got, <laughs> you got, you got bass and hush puppies going on down there, but, but it's all like the food and the fishing go together. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm telling you right now, like, I don't know of uh, an angler or a hunter or somebody that goes out and, and goes and plays with wild things like we do that doesn't know how to cook something good. It's all these other weirdos that don't, you know, like all the, oh, no, seriously. Now, now, now hear me out. There's going to be somebody that gets butt hurt and they're going to be like, Brian's fuck, blah, 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 you know, whatever. I don't care. But this is what I'm saying, right? It's like people that go out and fish and hunt and and go out and play with the wild things tend to be really good cooks 
all of the greatest chefs out there will actually go out and they look at the farm field or they look at, you know, the, the, the pasture where the, you know, the, the mammals are raised or I'm saying mammals, but the livestock, I should say, right. or the poultry or, you know, the fowl, whatever they're doing, like, like they want to know where their stuff's coming from. We all know where our stuff's coming from. You know, yeah. when we throw, when we throw out something that mimics their <laughs> natural food and they eat it and it's like, that that fish is healthy. It's not like something with mad cow disease where it's like, you know, it's seizure and yeah. out, and you're like, oh damn, you know, I don't want to eat that. We don't know necessarily, and and we do have to eat out of the store. It's just what it is today. You know, we can't go out and like right. rape and pillage the land, but <laughs> that's already been done, well before our time. But right. but um, we at least we have some solace in knowing where our food's coming from. You know, like I said, whether. Cause I know that that's like John's primary thing is white bass. That's, that's the only reason I'm saying that John, but I know there's some <laughs> other fish out there, catfish, you know, <laughs> cat fried up's good. Some red oh, yeah. fish, some drum, you know, I mean, some people are like, Oh, drum, I'll eat it. You know, it doesn't matter to me. I'll eat a grass carp. I don't care. But, but the, hey, if, it's, if, it's, if you can make it taste good, I'll eat anything. Hey, you know what? You smoke a grass carp. It's like a freshwater halibut. It's good. I'm, exactly. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. But it's got to be a grass carp. I don't know about those Asian carp things, but I'm sure you can figure them out. But, that, but that, there's just oh. so many different ways. But the people that go out and play with the wild things typically know how to cook the best. And, you know, and, I, I think you're on to something there. There, there was, a, I don't know if it was a show or something I read, but there, there was a there was that sentiment that was discussed and and uh i i think it has to do with just having it, it's like the whole ha having an appreciation for for everything and like what 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 they what what that animal gave up for you to eat even if you didn't hunt it yourself or catch it yourself and kill your own animal even if you got it from the store there's still i think like with anglers and hunters I think there's something to be said for, I, I guess, the reverence of like, uh, you know, an animal gave its life so you could eat, whether you did it, whether you killed it or not. And so I, I think there's something inside that like, hey, well, what's the what's the best way to like, you know, show reverence and honor that, you know, animal. And it's like, hey, let's let's do the best job we can, you know, cooking something that's going to be delicious. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of how I wrap my head around it. Yeah. And, and, and that's the way that I think about it too. You know, it's just, this goes into a deeper philosophy, right? You know, so, so we start talking about like the, you know, the connection of the, of the fish, the, the angler and the hunter and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, as, as far as that goes, uh, mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where when, when you pull that fish out of the water and you whack it and, you know, bleed it and everything else, and then you take it home and you, you fillet it out or you clean it, however you decide to go about that. You know that it came from the river that day and the, or the lake or the ocean or wherever you're fishing. You know it came from there. You know how it got treated from the time it was hooked to the time it was put on the bank or in the boat to the time it got whacked to the time it got bled to the time it got guttered or flayed or whatever else. You know every step of the process. And by the time it makes it to your uh, uh, hibachi or your Traeger, like I have, or the oven or the air fryer or whatever else, it, it's all in the mix of everything, you know? And, and that's the cool part of it is like, you have that connection. That's, that's the cool part. You know, I, I had no idea you had the cooking content because <laughs> I, I think I would have been like, Oh, 
you know, I would have been all over <laughs> that just because the cooking content's so cool. Um, I appreciate it. You know, uh, I, I know we're coming around about to around the end time here and John's uh, stepped away for a second, but <laughs> yeah. what are your future plans? Uh, or I, I say plans, obviously you're just kind of going with the flow, right? What, what, what are you hoping to do over the course of the next year or two? I mean, I would, I would love for us to be able to reconnect with you again to like talk about stuff, but what's, what's like, what do you got going on? What, what's the big deal? Um, you know, honestly, so when I, when I first, so I've, I've had like a page for a while and I think I ended up with a couple different pages. Cause like, you know, everybody always has like their main page. Right. And, um, it's kind of a mishmash of everything from pictures of your feet to like your food to like guy, you know, yeah. there, there's no real like rhyme or reason to any of it. Um, and it wasn't until I, I kind of really got serious with like, Hey, let me, I want to document like all my Tenkara stuff. Cause I, I, I really like creating content. I like taking photos. Um, and I like just making that content. Um, and it, it's kind of become, it's kind of come from just going with the flow at first and just kind of throwing the pictures on there because they're cool to, I kind of see um, my my goal is to kind of morph my page, you know, more of a, a, a uh, informational page where, you know, when I, when I first started Tenkara and there was just nothing out there, I kind of see my page now as like, there's all these resources out there and I, I, I want to be another resource you can eat it. For, for somebody else. Sure. Um, Going to my podcast. You know, whether that's someone that just picked up Tenkara and doesn't know where to start. Um, I try to throw a lot of info in there, um, you know, for the beginner and like, Hey, this is stuff I wish I knew when I was starting um, and just kind of being used as a, as a resource that way. So that, that's kind of how I see that. Um, I, I, I like, and the other, the other aspect is just the entertainment aspect. Like, you know, when I'm at home and I can't fish, I like, you know, throwing on the YouTube with, you know, Tenkara addicts, you know, um, videos, cause they're, they're fun to watch and they're entertaining. And if I can't fish, I'd like to watch, you know, someone else do it. Yeah. I, I, I kind of got into, um, you know, like I, I got a GoPro and I kind of got into like editing videos a little bit and I'm like, Hey, this is actually pretty fun. So it's kind of just morphing that way into not only a source of information, but um, just some cool stuff to watch when it's a rainy day and you're not fishing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, and, and John, you'd stepped away and I, I was just talking to Justin about like his future plans and stuff like that. And we kind of, kind of what he's got coming down the pipe and, and this is cool. This is cool because what, what, what is, it's telling me is, is like, you're, you're going to continue to keep yourself open as a resource, but not only that, but what's cool about what you said was that you're keeping your content focused. You know, that, that's a big deal is, is to keep your content as focused as possible. A, yeah. a lot of times, like you said, you got picture, you know, people taking pictures of the feed or they're like doing duck lips with a bunch of makeup on, or I, I don't know. what. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure we have some uh, followers and listeners there and be like, I'm not person that does the duck lips and the makeup, uh, <laughs> you know, th that's all good. We, we still love you no matter what. It's just, uh, 
you know, when you're looking to actually have like targeted content, like what, what you're doing, you have your cooking separated from your fishing, although yeah. all your fishing buddies are going to come over and stare at that. <laughs> drool, you know? We're going to just totally like short out our phones, looking at it like, you know, <laughs> but that's cool. That, that, that's really exciting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. It's uh, I like it. It, keep, it keeps me occupied. It keeps me entertained. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I reckon. Sorry, I had to step away. My my little dude messed up his toenail a little bit. I had to go clip it for him. Oh no. Yeah, he's all right, but little hangnail. Look, yeah. Well, wasn't wasn't quite little. He 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 kicks up pretty good. <laughs> but, well, if you're uh, gonna do something, go big or go home. I mean, he already broke two arms, so you know he's pretty good at it. <laughs> he broke both arms. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't believe that when I heard it. I was like, yeah, oh. yeah. He's all he about going big. Like he's that. all about going yeah. big, going home, dude. Yeah, but <laughs> sending it to the moon. Yeah, send dude. it. He's Bang. like both arms broke. He's just the send it wow. kind of kid, I tell you. But Justin, man, thanks again for coming on. And I'm sorry I had to step way right there, but dude, uh, man. It's just you got so much interesting stuff going on. And I, I've got to applaud you on another thing, too, that you brought up. Your editing is very, very good. Oh, thank you. It's, I appreciate I, that. I mean, it's it's not I've done editing for a long time. I don't I don't share that with a whole bunch of people, but I've, I've edited videos for a long time and your, your edits are very good. They're very thank good. You. I, yeah. I appreciate that a lot. But Dave. So Brian was talking about some things coming down pipeline and your future plans, but where can the rest of the universe find you and get a hold of you? <laughs> uh, the big Kabari is my Instagram. Um, the underscore big underscore Kabari. Um, and that's my Instagram. I have, I have Instagram, um, I do have a Facebook that's the same name. I'm not that active on Facebook. It kind of just mirrors my Instagram. Um, but yeah, I actually have. Uh, and then the Hungry Kabari, you know, if you're into food stuff is the same thing. The the underscore Hungry underscore Kabari. And yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> awesome, dude. You got any yeah. you got any words of wisdom? Maybe one last one last thing to say towards anyone maybe getting into Tinkara. Stick with it, man. Stick with it. Use every resource you can. Cause I mean, when it, when it first came over here, there, there wasn't really much. And now there's, there's so many resources. It's, you know, you, you, you owe it to yourself to just watch every video you can read everything. Um, you know, keep in mind, like, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest piece of like wisdom I can give is like, no, no one person does it a hundred percent. Right. You know? So it's like, no matter who your idol is or who you're, you know, who you look up to or whatever, there's always something to be learned by like everybody. So, um, and you, you, you'll limit yourself if you just like, Oh, I only do what that guy does. Or, you know, it's like learn from everybody and just, constantly be learning 
And that's just like, I get, that's like a life lesson, really. <laughs> just learn all you can and just keep learning because you'll never stop learning. And, you know, you're, ne you're never going to truly like, they're, they're, even, even with Tenkara, like the, the Tenkara masters out there, they're still learning every day, you know, and it's, you, it's, it's a constant pursuit of learning and yeah, it's, it's, that's what I got. <laughs> so it's that Kaizen dude, you know? Yeah. It's that Kaizen constant never ending improvement. Yep, yep. But uh, once again, that's the underscore big underscore Kabari on Instagram and Facebook. You can also find them at the hungry Kabari, which is a delectable page. Uh, <laughs> you can also probably get a hold of them and several other fantastic Tenkara anglers, people that will help you out at uh, the Fixed Line Freaks or Fixed Line oh, Freaks yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. Justin's a big part of that. That's a really good group of guys and, and gals. Yep. If you need something answered, feel free to, you know, reach out to any of them places, or you can find us at working class fishing on Instagram. That's with a G, uh, not just an N pardon my, my vernacular here, or you can find us at working class fishing podcast on YouTube. And uh, I think we're going to have a Facebook coming in here soon, but not quite yet. And, just want to thank everyone for coming and listening. And Justin, thanks again for coming by, dude. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming on, Justin. We really appreciate it. And we really appreciate all of you guys out there that uh, stop in and listen and watch all of our YouTube videos. Uh, without you guys, uh, we'd be talking to a black hole. So it's definitely <laughs> nice to have all of you out there. But Justin, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah. Everybody take care. See you. See you guys. Thank you.